Hello, Hello there. there. Welcome back to another episode of Star Wars in a Galaxy, watching all the Star Wars we can get our hands on. I'm Eli. I'm Jacob. And today we are continuing our quest through Season 1 of Star Wars The Bad Batch. We are talking about the 4th, 5th, and 6th episodes of Star Wars The Bad Batch, Cornered, Rampage, and Decommissioned. Um, and we got some great stuff, but I think we should let just dive into it. In Cornered, the Bad Batch once again find themselves in a difficult situation. Um, they're running low on supplies. They're running low on fuel. They land on the planet of Pantora, the closest inhabited planet, um, in order to resupply themselves, in order to fix their ship, in order to scramble their signature. However, the dock worker, um, or the, the owner of the docking bay, uh, calls in Fennec Shand to hunt them down. As they are maneuvering their way through the city, um, they happen upon, the Bad Batch happen upon a merchant who, mistaking Echo for a droid, offers to buy Echo. Um, and needing needing the credits, um, Hunter sells Echo to <laughs> this merchant um, with the knowledge that Echo will try to escape later on. Um, however, Omega is distracted and runs off, gets lost, she is found by Fennec Shand. Um, she brings she brings Fennec Shand back to Hunter. Um, as 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 one can imagine, um, shenanigans ensue. A lot of chase scenes, speeder chase. Uh, multiple Omega falling through the air gets caught, hanging off of buildings. Crazy stuff. Um, however, they manage to give. Um, they manage to give Fennec Shand the slip, and they escape with Echo intact. Absolutely, that's that, that's what happened. And this episode is is an is a is a really interesting episode. I feel like the first thing I want to dive into is is Mignawen, who is a gem, and I love her as Fennec Shand, and I think she gives a great performance in this episode. Oh, absolutely! I was very. I was very happy with the way that they they brought um, the way that they integrated Fennec Shand into it. I think I really liked her portrayal. Um, yeah, I think that you know a lot of there's a lot of criticism of the Bad Batch for kind of having so many cameos. You know, a lot of talk about you know is there is there small galaxy syndrome? Um, is there um, you know is it uh, too much having having this many characters is it detracting from the show but i think this one is one of the ones that really works um i think in my mind it only makes sense you know we already can kind of see through the rest of of star wars you can kind of extrapolate that as far as bounty hunters go the galaxy may be awash in scum and villainy but there's a pretty it seems like there's a pretty tight-knit community of really like elite like the best of the best there's a really tight-knit crew um and if fennec is is part of that crew as as it as it seems like she is uh being being made to be possibly then it uh it just makes sense yeah no i absolutely agree with that uh, i think that 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 fennec adds a really interesting twist to the show um she's one of our first characters to go from a live action television show to an animated television show which is one of the first times we were able to say that which is crazy um 
you know, like, imagine if, if we got an anim- animated Mandalorian. Like, an animated yeah. Din. Like that, I would that, love that, honestly. I would love that, too. I'm not saying that I, I, I would hate that in any way. I'm just saying, like, like it's so weird that we this is the first time we've had that phenomenon of an of an animated Fennec Shand. Um, well, I, I think they absolutely nailed it. Oh, absolutely. I think they did, too. And I think Migna adds a lot to that authenticity. Um, yeah, absolutely it does. It's always I think it's always great when they can maintain the, uh, you know, voice actor live action continuity. I really, yeah. I really enjoy that. Absolutely. Um, what do you got next for this? Man, I think when I was thinking about this episode, I think one theme that really jumped out to me um, was kind of the the morally gray decisions that the batch now have to engage in now that they're kind of they're really on their own. Um, they're mercenaries, you know. We see, um, you know, at the very beginning, you know, the bribe scene, obviously, um, you know, a tech tech and hunter are a little bit dumbfounded, but they they realize what's up and they're, you know, they're forced to do something a little bit, a little bit morally gray just to survive. Um, and then later in the episode, you know, we see them um, getting, in order to get the credits, you know, Echo has to play act as and and echo has to be sold as property um with the knowledge that they're gonna purposefully you know swindle swindle this guy um and put this merchant out of um three thousand credits which i don't know i think the money is always a little fuzzy in star wars but not not an insignificant amount um no matter what way you cut it um so I think, um, and this is something that I think we can talk about even more as the episodes go on, because we see a lot more of this in um, in Rampage as as well. And then, yeah, just in Rampage. But I was really interested to hear what you think about this. How does this, how does this fit into you um, with the bigger picture for the Bad Batch, what's their take? What's your takeaway as we see them trying to negotiate this new, um, this brave new world for them, where they have to really think about the consequences of their actions? You know, I think you raise a really great point, and I think I think of this stuff. I think of those questions as the um, like. I feel like there are three real, real thematic, big thematic questions that linger through this first season. Uh, the first one is that, like, uh, is that battle, it's, this is not, not really a question, but, like, a theme, like, of that of the homogeny versus the individuality of the, and we'll see that in Decommissioned, um, of the, um, do I go with the groupthink or cannot, or do I forge my own path, make my own decisions? That's one. The second one is Omega's hero's journey. And oh, absolutely. Her absolutely discovering who she is and... And what who who she is in relation to the batch, and of course the third one is the one you mentioned, which is the what the hell are we doing here? It's yeah. the the galaxy no longer has a purpose for us, so we need we need to make ourselves have a purpose for the galaxy, and that is that it and and you know part of that process involves making those mistakes, part of that process involves doing things that maybe looking back you wouldn't have done, and I feel like cornered rampage and de- decommissioned are those three i feel like you know if we look at 
Like, I, I think of, I think very much of the season as the big event at the beginning, then some stuff. The big event in the middle, which we'll get to next episode, then some more stuff. And the big event at the end. If you yeah, look I... at the stuff in the middle of both of them, between, like, beginning and middle, and then middle and end, the stuff between middle and end is way more noble than the stuff between beginning and middle. Yeah, I mean, I think throughout this story, we kind of see, you know, with hindsight, we can kind of talk about this arc that they go through where they're really adrift in the beginning and they're really kind of making some, they're really making some bad choices. You know, they're full on mercenaries. Um, we will really get to the heart of this when we talk about Rampage, but, you know, they're really doing things that have, con they're, they're doing jobs and they're doing things, they're moving information, they're moving resources that really have consequences and they're doing it completely unquestioningly they're just following the orders they're well, not they're not asking say, the questions i wouldn't say they're doing it unquestioningly i mean like not I unquestioningly not... but like yeah they're choosing the kind at. of they're choosing to kind of you know they're choosing to kind of you know look the other way maybe a little maybe not look the other way but they're choosing to maybe not maybe not look as hard as they could you know maybe kind of hold their yeah. nose a little bit as they shake some hands uh, maybe they shouldn't um but i think that throughout the series i feel like we have this arc where they they realize i think this show is all about realizing that um in order for the batch to survive and thrive in order for omega to thrive what they actually need to be doing is helping people and fighting to make a difference and i think that um i think that hunter specifically his journey to realizing that you know helping his crew survive and helping omega have a good life is not actually at odd it doesn't have to be at odds with making a difference in the galaxy and that's kind of a similar thing it, it, it it's very much connected to me at least with season one of rebels we kind of see ezra we're seeing a very ezra like process for hunter i would say yeah absolutely and i think that's actually kind of if we view these three as a mini arc that's kind of what these three are about they're about hunter coming to realize and the batch as a whole coming to realize that maybe the whole mercenaries idea is not the best yeah no you're absolutely right because i think in this episode you know they kind of they do some lightweight they do some lightweight mercenary work you know taking a bribe it's not the end of the world you know but then you see them you know swindling a in a random swindling like a random shopkeeper out of a, a ton of money yeah. that's that's much more serious than like handing off handing off 100 credits or whatever um and then we see in the next episode you know it goes into this slavery you know working with job of the hut but then you see them come out the other side when hunter realizes what the right thing to do is and they end up you know kind of sharing sharing the spoils um with the Murtez sisters yeah. at the end so i think yeah. we kind of see them in this arc as you said they kind of they toe the line but they realize that they realize hey like this is not what we should be doing yeah um let's see uh i, I speaking of that like sort of mini droid revolt I really like that in this episode. 
Um, first of all, I want to mention, because I remember how much he was getting seen over the internet, and I feel like, when this episode came out, and I feel like he deserves his due. And I'm talking about the legendary Clink. What a mm. legend. What a legendary droid that is. Absolute um, legend. I, I love Clink. I forgot that he was in this episode. I knew he was in the batch, but I forgot that he was in this episode. It, it's, it's, uh, he's, he's awesome. I love him. Uh, we need, justice for Clink. Uh, we need more Clink. Um, that, that's all I'm going to say about Clink. Justice for Clink. Um, no, there's this, there's, there's also this, like, thing I noticed with Fennec, and that's interesting, that I think, like, when Fennec captures Omega, and maybe this is just her, like, facade she puts on, but I feel like Fennec is a better person than, like, the truly evil, ruthless bounty hunters like Cad Bane, or a Singh, Bosk, Boba in his prime pre-Sarlacc pit. Like, I'm not saying she's a good person. I'm saying that I think for her it really is about the money. Like, like Cad Bane and Aura Singh can say it's about the money, and it kind of is. But, like, also they're cruel people. Well, I think what makes them... I think those two things are intertwined. Like, what makes them cruel is that it's all about the money, and there's absolutely nothing that they won't do for money. I mean, that being said, you're, you're right as well. I think, you know, they clearly, they clearly like also kind of take pleasure and, in, you know, inflicting fear and pain on people. And maybe, yeah, you're right. I think, yeah, Fennec Shan definitely doesn't as much. You know, we see her kind of treat Omega really sweetly, whereas Aura Singh or Cad Bane or someone else probably would have just grabbed her by the wrist and be like, probably would have said, you know, quiet kid you know i mean that's what cad bane does in a few episodes yeah. um yeah like like that, that is literally what cad bane does um and we'll get to that next episode um but it, it's it's really interesting to see those different types of bounty hunters different types of neutral characters kind of that stuff with with how that's proceeding um yeah and i think i think that's very it very much matches up with where we see Fennec Shan next pop up in Mandalorian, you know, in Book of Boba Fett, you know, where she she is still kind of a mercenary. And she's she's in it for power and money for herself. But she also does still care about, you know, protecting the people that that her and Fett have have assumed dominion over, at least to some extent. Yeah, and I think in some ways it's she's kind of the opposite coin of the Bad Batch, where she's doing like she's doing pretty bad things, you know, to make a buck, but she does have some some good in there. Like she doesn't like she's sweet to Omega. She tries to put Omega at ease, and you know maybe that's all for the grand the the maybe that's all in the grand scheme of you know trying to get Omega to to come with her. Um, but it still it still kind of raises the question of kind of on the opposite like i said the opposite side of the coin of the bad batch how do you like kind of a little like hondo you know like if you're doing bad things can you still does it count for you to still do some good in there if you're ultimately just out for yourself like how much does it really change who you are yeah, absolutely. Um, 
what else do you have for this episode? I also thought, um, so, I mean, a, a big part of this episode, I think, um, was Hunter and Omega. I think in their, obviously, you know, this entire, the entirety of the Bad Batch family is involved in this, but really it's, I think, Hunter and Omega. Anyone will tell you Hunter and Omega are at the core of that with Hunter trying to be the space dad and Omega trying to become part of the Bad Batch. Um, and I, re I, re I thought this episode did a really good job of showing that development. Um, <clears throat> you know, for some examples, you know, Hunter, you know, he lets Omega, he makes the mistake of letting Omega run off. Um, you know, obviously we see Omega here um still very much more on the on the innocent side of things you know she runs off she's not she's not worried about the danger or anything um but also you know on the flip side of that like omega is absolutely fearless she immediately attacks fennec you know when the fight when the fight breaks out between fennec and hunter you know she immediately like jumps right in the fray um to try and save her friend um so i think I, I i was i was very interested in that trajectory because obviously that's i think the central storyline here or the central theme of at least the first half of the season is yeah. kind of hunter and omega yeah no building that family is extremely important and i think they do it well in this episode Additionally, with Wrecker as well. I love that line. You mess with the kid, you mess with me. Oh, yeah. Fennec. I mean, I mean, everybody loves... Sorry, go ahead. It's that protective Wrecker that's just, that just oh, works yeah. for me. It's um, great, yeah. I mean... By the way, his head is still hurting. Should we be worried about that? Nah, it's probably nothing, right? Yeah, no, it's they, nothing. They can't just be mentioning it episode no. after episode no. after episode. No, no, no reason for that. No, no, no reason for that. <laughs> None. Uh, I gotta be honest with you. These three episodes were tough for me. Specifically so? this one. Um, I'm not going to say I love this episode. I like it. It's fun. But there's not that much to it for me. For me, this episode is the Fennec Shand episode of yeah. The Batch. Like, to me, it's the, like, like, like they land, Fennec's, uh, like, the, the doc alerts them to Fennec, Fennec chases them around for 20 minutes, and then they leave. And I understand the purpose of what the episode's trying to convey. That even though they're off of Camino, that does not mean that they're safe. That that like like people will still keep coming after Omega in a very Mandalorian-esque way. And I understand that. I don't think they chose a very interesting way of doing it, though. There just isn't yeah. that much to this episode, is my problem. Yeah, I mean, this is definitely one of the more simplistic episodes i kind of liked that about it or it wasn't necessarily a positive but i kind of i made my peace with it i think um you know something about the way that we do this show and my creative process when i'm trying to you know come in here with a little a little something to say that hopefully hasn't been said before <laughs> um yeah. because i know a lot of people um, in one way or another, um, love to do what we do. Um, and I know there are a lot of people who 
I I know are much much better at this than me. But yeah, I oftentimes struggle to um to grapple with some of these episodes that you know maybe they're not like maybe there's not a bombshell being dropped. Maybe it's not the most like thematically rich masterpiece. But I think that doesn't mean that there aren't things to be said about it. And we don't always have to be. I've kind of made my peace with, you know, we don't always have to have like an hour long, deep philosophical discussion yeah. about every episode, because some of them are not, that's not all what they're all trying to do, you know? No, absolutely. And I'm not saying that I think we need to, I'm just saying, I guess I'm a bit frustrated with this episode mm. because I understand the purpose it's trying to get across. I just think it could have done it better. Like I, I, I so? think. I just think that what I was missing really was interactions between the characters. Like I think there were there were some good interactions with between the characters, but I don't think there were enough. I think we needed some I I think we needed some like how do I say like reason to care a bit more. And again, not that mm. we don't care about the batch. We do. But, um, you know, I've heard a lot of people talking about, like, I would love to see more development of, like, like I, I've heard a lot of people talk about development for tech. And I can see that. But the real oh, one absolutely, is, yeah. is more development for Echo, for me. Like, Echo yeah. is the most fascinating character of the batch to me, honestly. Because we know him from not the batch. We know him from... Uh, TCW when, where he was under Anakin with Fives and Rex and all that kind of stuff. He is the most connected to the Skywalker saga of all of them. He is most in the know about what, what the fuck's going on. Um, and he just kind of stands there a lot. Um, and it, 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 it agitates me. Like, he's the one that finds Sid. Uh, he's the one that's closest with Jedi. If Ahsoka ever came into the Bad Batch series, which I thought she was going to do in Season 1, and now that she hasn't, I'm even more confident that she'll be in Season 2, actually. Um, like, if Ahsoka really? came into... Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'll say that now. If it, All right. I, 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 if, if this show ends with Ahsoka not in it, I'm going to be very surprised. Uh, place your bets. All right. I'll, I'll be impressed, but I'll be very surprised. Um, not that I think Ahsoka is bad in any way possible. I just know that with these kinds of shows, with the animated shows, even though I know this is not being directly influenced by Dave Filoni, um, you know, the people who are doing a lot of the writing on this, like, they know what legacy they're inheriting. They know what characters they're inheriting. Um, and I would find it hard to believe that there have, like, there, I find it hard to believe that there at least have been conversations about, hey... What if we bring what what if we bring Ahsoka into this? How will Ahsoka interact with the Bad Batch? Because remember, Ahsoka hasn't met the Bad Batch, any of them, except for Echo, and she doesn't know that he's alive. Yeah, true. Um, I mean, I hope that he will get some love in season two. I hope that some yeah. of the more peripheral members will get fleshed out more. I think. Yeah, I think um not to not to um 
not to be um not to push the the rebel the star wars rebels agenda too much um but i think that rebels for example which i think is more the more i think about it the more i see the similarities obviously you know is it kind of a found family focused show where you have the family unit you know and their ship is kind of the home base and um you know um i think rebels does a better job of um kind of fleshing out in the first season you know making sure that we get a little something at least to chew on um for each character um but i i assume that that's coming um i assume that that's on the way with with season two coming um so I, i'm not, I'm not too concerned about that yeah. but i do agree it is frustrating that we have so much potential in echo but like you said he's kind of sidelined for a lot of it yeah and and i i actually i'm gonna retract something i said earlier i actually think that tech is given more to do uh in this season than most people give him credit for um but i i think echo is really the, the the one that's 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 bawling me out a bit um mm. and and um there's there's some great moments with him too like the the stuff with hunter selling him as a droid like he's like wait 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 i should be sold for at least four thousand <laughs> like I, i'm like yeah. I, I i i i forgot about that i was just dying laughing at that part part um and there's another part um which I, you know what shoot i'm gonna i'm gonna talk about it right now um can we talk about the greatest line of dialogue in any of these three episodes in decommissioned what's that is there an echo in here <laughs> that is that is that is perfect and whoever wrote that deserves a raise um uh trace says that to um omega and um then echo's like yeah what's going on um and she's like what the hell's going on and he's like yeah i'm echo and, and I, it's just one of those mental oh there we go moments one of those mental face palm moments um in only the best way for me yeah uh, i mean yeah i think if we can if i can if i can bring up something um I I got lost in my notes. Hang on. Um, I think Eli. I think I have a new favorite glup shitto from is this it, episode. Is it um the guy with is the Aqualish with the headphones on? Yes, it is vibing Aqualish dump truck pilot. I love vibing Aqualish dump truck pilot, man. That is that is how I that's how I aspire to be. Just unbothered in your lane, flourishing, listening to some uh listening to oh, some Star absolutely. Wars music. That, like, some, like like some jizz jizz music yeah. perhaps. Uh um, it, I was looking it up. It are there any other genres canonically in Star Wars of music? Uh <laughs> other than jizz. I mean, we got some pretty interesting music in um Andor recently, um on Niamos, but There's that one episode in Visions as well. Oh yeah, galactic, galactic pop punk. Yeah, tattooed rhapsody. That was certainly um, something. Yeah, Andor. I know. I'm trying to think in. Oh, we got we got Space Thundercat in Book of Boba Fett. Um, we we're getting a lot of good music. We didn't see him playing music though, which was disappointing. We no, got Space Flea too. We got Space Flea, but no music for him either. We have to have a Space Flea Space Thundercat meeting. It, just a space basis uh, meeting. Just, space, just a yeah. 
I wouldn't mind that. Pop, uh, pop Dave Grohl in there. Yeah, yeah. I think just Eli, just to see your reaction. Yeah, Yeah. no, I, I would, I would flip out. Not Dave Grohl. Dave Grohl's a drummer. Yeah. What am I talking about? Just Um, to see you with all your passion and knowledge of music, I would love to see you absolutely. I I would, I would fucking explode, man. I would, I would absolutely. I'm trying to think. What would you do if there was a scene where someone goes into a cantina and it's Flea and Space Thundercat, um, Space Flea, Flea and Thundercat. Of Absolutely other good modern bassists throwing down. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I'm trying to think of other ones. I can't right now. Um, uh, let's see. Oh my god, that that's a good one. I just thought of another one. If freaking Thundercat and um uh if Thundercat and Flea and um Adam Neely, if you know his channel on YouTube, I, I do not. He's a music YouTube YouTuber on uh he's a music YouTuber and he's a bassist as well. Mm. Um, the three of them together in a scene would blow my mind. <laughs> <laughs> Never going to happen, but like, oh my god, if it did, uh. Lucasfilm. Lucasfilm, take notes. Lucasfilm, listen, listen up, listen up, Lucasfilm. You're definitely listening to this and listen. Um, uh, got anything I'm, else? I'm sure. We proceed on to Rampage. Um, not really, honestly. I I enjoyed this episode. I think um, I don't know. I think some of the things that you disliked about it, I I liked. I, I mean, like you said, there's not too much to this one. I think though, um. I think it I think it was well paced. Um I think it was well executed, you know. Great action, um you know, great chase scenes. The music was there, fantastic visuals. Um I think it just did a really solid episode for a job that or it did a really solid job for an episode that just had to kind of keep keep the story moving. Um keep the story moving without some massive new uh revelation yeah i think it's a cute little episode that's really my review of it i think it's a cute (laughs) little episode um i think it's one of the my least favorites of this season but again i think this season overall is very very good so i'm holding everything to a high bar um but do you want to go on to the rampage rampage let's do it rampage uh in rampage um they, the Bad Batch lands on the planet of Ord Mantell in its first on-screen canon appearance ever since being mentioned in all the way back in 1980 with The Empire Strikes Back. Uh, That's they land impressive. On, it, it is very impressive. Uh, they land on Ord Mantell and they approach a bar of a former Jedi informant named Sid. They eventually meet Sid, who is a Trandoshan voiced by Rhea Perlman, of all people, um, uh, which is crazy. Um, and, uh, and they want, they want Sid to give them information about, um, the bounty hunter who tracked them on Pantora. And Sid agrees in exchange for them to do a job for her. Um, and they're set to rescue this kid named Moochie from Zygerian slavers on the other side of the planet. Um, and so they go to the other side of the planet in an old, it's what's called Old, Old Ord Mantel City. Um. And uh, the Batch orders Omega to stay behind while they go and deal with it. And oops, they're all captured. And Omega evades the uh, Zygerian patrols uh, 
that are sweeping the Havoc Marauder and eventually rescues them, uh, at which point they realize that they thought a f young Falene girl was Moochie, but indeed, it was actually an adolescent Rancor um, who they were trying to rescue. Um, we flash back to Sid, and we realize that the person she is um, giving the Rancor to, uh, Mushi the Rancor to, is Bib Fortuna, who is the mayor domo to Jabba the Hutt. Um, and so they managed to, the Bad Batch manages to um, to uh, calm down Moochie enough and transport her away from the uh, uh, th to transport her away from the Zygerians and bring her back to Sid, who gives uh, her to to Bib Fortuna. Um, she gives them a small amount of the pay, and she also tells them that the bounty hunter chasing them was um, the bounty hunter chasing them was Fennec Shand, and that she was working on a direct commission. Uh, so we don't exactly know. So they don't exactly know, and we don't at this time know who sent her. Okay. Um, where, do you, where do you want to jump in? What's your pleasure? Um, uh, again, I, I think we, we already yeah. talked about this a little bit, but but there's that really great theme, I think, with this episode, especially. I know you talked about it in a bit with Cornered, but I think it, it really uh, rings true in this episode about what jobs are the Batch willing to take. I don't think they ever learn that, like, I don't know if, if um, like, Tech probably knows, but I don't know if um, the other members of the Batch knew who Bib Fortuna was, um, and who he worked for. Yeah, I um, think it was just a... I think whether or not they knew is kind of irrelevant. It's just a yeah. nod to no, the absolutely. viewers to kind of yeah. drive it's, the point home. It's not know? the fact that they know that's the, that, that's the thing. It's the fact that we do. We know exactly who Job the Hutt is, and we know exactly what he likes to do with Rancors. Yeah. <laughs> Have um, them eat innocent people. Yep. Uh, I also realized this episode, which is which is great. Um, uh, I realized that um, with this episode and in the name of honor, now um, both Fett siblings have made a, um, a a significant bond with a rancor. Omega in this episode, <laughs> and then Boba in the Book of Boba Fett, which I think is pretty cool. That is um, pretty cool. I love looking at the weird parallels um, between Omega and Boba that have been showing up quite a bit ever since the Bad Batch in the Book of Boba Fett. It's almost like it, it, it's almost like they have one person who's in, has a major role in making both of them. <laughs> yeah, who could it be? Who could I it wonder. be? Um, but yeah, it's um, it's almost like they're related or something. <laughs> almost like, almost like. Uh, but I, I love that, that they're in this episode and in Decommissioned and later on, of course, in the season, they're like, they're very, they're very iffy. They're very iffy on whether or not to trust Sid. Um, yeah. And right, rightfully so. Rightfully, rightfully so, so, because she is a she is a very she is very suspicious. We, like, I think by the end it's been proven that she can be trusted at the bare minimum level, but I also think that she holds back a lot of their development as characters, 
in this season. How so? I think that's, I think that's intentional. I think that's intentional on the writer's part. I think that they are a little too dependent on her and her services when she is not giving oh, them. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And, uh, and like, like that, that's, their destiny is not working for her. I mean, that's kind of the whole point, you know, as yeah. long as they're following this this mercenary path, um, they're not actually getting anywhere. And, you know, Sid kind of makes it pretty clear with her thinly veiled uh, threats to rat them out that she she makes it pretty clear that she's taking advantage of them um so yeah i, th I think it's very very much by design yeah and it, it's <laughs> yeah i know i i i i yeah i absolutely agree with what you said um let's see you got anything for this episode so far? Yeah, I mean, I think, like you said, thematically, the central piece, um, I think with Crosshair kind of out of the way for these episodes, we have the two pillars. Um, we have the two pillars of Omega and the Bad Batch and space parenting, and then ad adapt or die with the past, or yeah, as you put that's... it, what the hell are we doing here? Yeah, adapt or die with the past is good because... Of course, that's what Saul said. And um, I think I I think um, you know, with Sid's introduction, you know, um, I think it's very interesting that Sid was it was a Jedi contact, um, and that she worked with the Jedi, and we see how you know how shady she is. You know, she she has Wookie pelts for crying out loud. Like she's a trans in Star Wars. Like uh, that's a sign. You know, when someone has the Wookie pelt, that's like. That's a sign that maybe they're they're bad news. I feel like it it gets used like that. Um, and, so and, you know, and it's really great actually that 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 Echo specifically mentions that she's a Jedi informant because it yeah. shows how out of their comfort zone the Jedi were willing to go in the Clone Wars era to get the information they needed. Oh yeah. Oh no. Absolutely. How I mean, they were to compromise compromise their morality, which is a very prequel esque theme. Yeah. You know. Um. It's been a while. It's been a wily lie since I've, since I've do it. Do harped. It. Yeah, you know what I'm it. about the go, fall of the go, Jedi. Go. About the Maybe. fall of the Jedi. Woo! So I will say, yeah, like you said, um, you know, this shows how the Jedi, throughout the war, you know, they compromised their morals, they shifted their ideals, they... pursuing the ill-advised goal of being a military force and trying to lead the Republic to victory in this do? war, when they should be keepers of the peace, not soldiers. They did what? <clears throat> They lost their way. Yeah, there we go. He but, said the line. He said the line, folks. He said the line. I said the line. I'm going somewhere with this, though. I'm no, going no, no. somewhere with this. Uh, I'm, it's completely like you're you're completely on base with this stuff. No, no, because I think that this is um, this is it. Kind of serves it. It can what happened to the Jedi. Obviously, can kind of serve as a lesson for the bad batch because we saw that the jedi they died with the past not because they didn't adapt or couldn't adapt but because they adapted too much or in trying to adapt they lost who they are and you know I, they I became this military kind of force stuck in, stuck in their ways as well they were they were they were simultaneously stuck in their ways 
and also completely going off the rails at the same time, those two things can absolutely coexist. I agree with you. In the yeah. one hand, they were they were way too traditional. Um, they they um they were they were super arrogant. I gotta say, you know, I feel bad. You know, roasting the Jedi Order. Love, love the Jedi Order, but um, yeah. you know, it has to be has to be said at this point in the story. Um, but I think we see the Jedi lose their way, lose who they are, lose sight of what made them great and important by becoming warriors, by becoming soldiers, by becoming political tools of the Republic, by allowing themselves to get dragged into the the intrigue and the politics and all that stuff. And I think the lesson here is that if the Bad Batch aren't careful they're going to get torn apart if they get dragged down the mercenary pathway you know that's that's how i see it yeah i i i i agree with you and for those who are wondering yeah um that is also true in the most recent shorts from tales of the jedi i could not like i could not bring that up uh, I feel like this theme is very, 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 very prevalent in um, shorts two through six of Tales of the Jedi, and if you if you're wondering when we're covering those on in a galaxy, the answer is sometime. <laughs> we'll figure it out. Almost all of them are before um, we've uh, is is are before where we are in the timeline. So that makes it tricky. I'm not gonna lie to you. But we'll maybe see. We just, maybe just pop in a pop in a special episode or two at some point, you know? Yeah, at some point we'll do that. I'm sure. We've not we've not really done a lot of special episodes lately. Uh, pause for a second. I'm gonna just update you. Next episode we're doing a special episode. Next episode is scheduled for. I don't want to do tales though. Not next. Yeah. Episode. What what do we what are we what are we gonna do? I don't know. We'll we'll, we'll talk about it later. I just don't want right, to we'll do tales because it I think it's a little too new. Okay. No. No. I agree. I feel like I feel like part of our show, you know we're not a news yeah. we're not like a yeah i feel like we should have at least six months yeah. distance on stuff we're doing like i feel like what we're well, doing is kind months. of yeah i feel like our thing is we're going through the archives yeah absolutely like that's how it started that's... you know yeah and i no, feel like I... that's when we're at our best i think that's extremely important for us and i'm yeah. glad you agree with that yeah, yeah. um Uh, let's see. So, what else you got here? Um, let's see. I'll, um, I'll say this, actually. I'll, I'll say this. Um, I love what the new developments we get with Zygerian culture here. Um, oh, yeah. We haven't seen totally. them since 2010, I think it is. Um, 2010, 2011, something like that. Maybe 2012, I forget what it is. Season 4 of The Clone Wars is the last time we saw them, and they're having to adapt to the Empire, too. They're talking about rebuilding your slave empire now that the Republic is no longer no longer exists and that the Empire seems a lot cooler with slavery than the Republic was. Um, they, we get a Kadavo shout-out, which was really cool. Um, I remember the first time I watched that around a year ago. Um, I remember hearing the, we will, we will reclaim Kadavo. I'm like, oh, yeah. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> It's stuff like that that that's just nice to hear, um, to throw it out. We hear their those little connections. Like, their 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 uh, curse word that 
uh, Skug. Oh, yeah. Word. Um, it, it's stuff like that that makes it, like, um, that, that makes, um, that makes the, like, world building a bit more interesting in this kind of episode. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Yeah. Also, I, I, I can't help but, I can't not mention that the Bad Batch got their ass kicked. They did, yeah. Again, this <laughs> They're is, not I, invincible. This is, this, is not, this is another lesson for them, which is that, like, again, I, th- like, they got their ass kicked, and who got them out of it? Omega. Omega got them out of it. How and, lucky are they that Omega uh, was able to save the day? <laughs> yeah. I mean. And, and, th- and this is the big lesson for them. Omega is not their squad's ward. Like, like she's not, like, they're, they're not protecting her. She is a part of the squad. And them trying to yeah, ignore I, I that mean, is, is them deluding themselves. And I think they're a little bit le- more cautious of her because of her running off um, uh, and getting captured by Fennec briefly and cornered. But I don't think the solution is to keep her guarded. I think the solution is to watch her a little quicker, but also let her help you as part of the squad. Which is what yeah, they do well, in Decommissioned, think... and look how well that works in Decommissioned. Yeah. Well, I think part of her development... Um, which in these episodes it happens, it happens very fast. Is her, you know, taking lessons from the batch, learning lessons, and being able to handle herself more um, in a uh, in a world that isn't, you know, her being like a super sheltered kind of just lab subject in Camino. Um, and so I think that's kind of the point of a lot of these episodes is how she learns to be a part of the crew and Hunter learns how to give her what she needs and how, yeah. how to take care of her. And we see that where he, he lets her run off kind of like um, in the previous episode. And then we see, um, I can't remember if it's in this I can't remember if it's in Rampage or if it's in, um, I think it's in Decommissioned, but you know, um, maybe it, maybe it is in here, but we see that little scene of them, they're walking and we see, um, we see a, a Hunter, um, you know, going through Omega, going with Omega, going through that list of, of things oh, yeah. um, that he tells her to do, you know, that kind of, they're both, they're both learning lessons um they're both learning lessons he's teaching her a lot but she is also teaching him a lot um yeah which is a very very star wars thing yeah oh absolutely 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 yeah you can't get much more uh found you know family found family it's can't get much more star wars than that but i think it's interesting how hunter has to simultaneously learn to be less protective um and and learn to let omega you know make the decision to you know, be part of the crew and, and accept the responsibility that comes with that, even though she's very young, but also to be able to protect her and know what her limitations are. And we see, you know, we see some of the 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 bumps in the road there, you know, where when he kind of chews her out um, on Seleucami for getting attacked by the beast when she had no clue what's out there. No clue. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it, it's... 
uh, it's a really cool pendulum swing. I think they do uh, to give these both both these episodes credit. They're 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 a bit too lax, um, unknowingly in cornered, and then they're way too harsh in rampage. And the um the only reason that 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 that, that it goes well for them is they have to swing the pendulum a little bit in the other direction. But in decommissioned very much. The conflict is not ever about them and Omega. Um, we'll get to it, of course, but like, but but Omega does exactly what she needs to do um, in that episode, uh, and she gets a little nice little moment of character development there um, as well. Uh, I I love, but I, I gotta say we gotta talk about that inside Yurian energy bow that Omega picks up and she has for the rest of the season. Oh yeah, it's, it's, it becomes it's, like her signature. It, it becomes her signature weapon, and I think it's a really interesting. I think of it as a symbol of the of of the expanding world around her. You know, she just picked up this thing. She picked up um, a like she she picked up a a weapon from an uh, from a, a, a society known for enslavement when she just realized that morning that enslavement existed. That slavery existed, like that. That is the that is the clearest symbol that I can see, which is that. Which, which is she is she is picking up the weight of not just the bow but also everything that's happening in the galaxy around her that she didn't know about while she was sequestered on Camino. Yeah, um, and, and and I think that's a really cool symbol. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, it's amazing. I very impressed with how you you picked that out that just did not occur to me but that was man that's man that's spot on um is speaking of slavery um i mean echo obviously he has a very passionate uh passionate response you know when they're gearing up he talks about you know stopping slavery um i mean what do you think about um the clones and specifically echo as a as a reg what do you think about their relationship to slavery? Because it's really interesting, you know, we can talk about slaves of the Republic, that episode, obviously going back to Nigeria, but then um, just the condition of the clones, specifically Echo, knowing the history and what he's been through in, um, in, in the Clone Wars. What do you think about all that? Well, first of all, I would like to mention to you, and I'm—you uh, probably already know this—but Echo wasn't in Slaves of the Republic. Oh, I know, but I mean, if we're talking yeah. about j j that, was just kind of like. Yeah. No, I know. I know. I, it's I, funny I, that it's it, funny it's, that there's an episode already yeah. called that when it is on Zygeria, You know, yeah. Zygerians. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not saying you didn't know that. I'm. I'm. I'm saying like. Like it took me a second to process that. Oh, okay, and, no doubt. Um, no. Because uh, because he's presumed dead uh, on Lilisaya, which happens before that. Yeah. Uh, but no, it, it's I, I think this episode, and I'll I'll talk about this with decommissioned as well, um, in a different sense, serves as a really interesting coda to the Zygeria arc in Star Wars: The Clone Wars, mm. where it, it 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 touches on a few of those same themes about you know cuz cuz there is this vicious brutality um of of the of the Zygerian slavers um you know there's there there's this you know we talk about i remember when we were recording this episode for the clone wars 
we were talking about that psychological breakdown of getting people to view themselves like it's not just it's not just enough for them to view people as property and not human beings they have to get the people to view themselves as property which is the most psychologically yeah. degrading shit ever and they they they, they succeed they, they they do very they do very well in it you know the, 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 there's that whole monologue that i think um that uh, Queen Centel does in that third episode about how her, one of the slave masters is trying to break Obi-Wan. And it very yeah. nearly works. Um, and, you know, it, I think of that like, you know, it, it, it's that wanting to, wanting to help but being oppressed yeah. so much that you feel like you can't. And by the way, um, we obviously I couldn't have references at the time because you know it hadn't come out yet, um, but I thought of Slaves of the Republic in the first episode of Obi Wan Kenobi because yeah. there's a scene because that scene with the meat the scene with the at the meat place where they're slicing up the big fish or whatever it is um, yeah like I I think of Obi Wan you know like uh, you know th there's that one worker who doesn't receive a fair yeah. share of it. Um, and Obi-Wan steps in and they were like, are you going to say something? And he's like, nah, I'm not going to. Yeah. That is well, the Obi-Wan from Slaves of the Republic. That is the deflated, you know. Yeah. I mean. Off on a too big a tangent. Yeah. No, I think you're absolutely right. And I think, I think it's apt that you bring up, I think it's apt that you bring up Obi-Wan because, I mean, even going back to, you know, some of the novel, the novelizations in, um in legends and and that that portrayal and interpretation of what happens what he goes through after order 66 i think i think obi-wan's life is just all about you know what do you do when you want so badly to get up and take a stand but life just kicks you in the ribs over and over and over again um so yeah it's, it's a great it's a great example um i think as far as your idea of the breaking and that idea goes of, you know, the spirit and the self perception. I think you're spot on to bring that up. But at the same time, I, I would also mention that um, the Bad Batch, I think, is the culmination of, we might even say the unbreaking, if that makes sense, of the clones kind of as as a collective. You know, we start the Clone Wars with um you know in the malevolence arc we're just clones sir we're meant to be expendable and then this is the first time that we really see the clones or some of the uh, we see clones um aside from uh aside from cut of course that we see clones really truly free like truly not property of the republic yeah but and truly free and I think that their self, their kind of self-image and their their conception of like who they are and who they can be in the world hasn't really caught up to that yet. And I think that's what is kind of, that's what can be causing some of their, their problems and their towing the line with going down the mercenary pathway of just accepting what's put in front of them without worrying about the consequences. 
yeah, absolutely. I, I think there's there's there, there's a lot there, and I think that. Sorry, kind of blanked for a second. Um, no, you're fine. Yeah, no, I, I I I I absolutely think there's a lot there, and I think that yeah. Um, do you have anything else to say about Rampage, or should we go to decommissioned? Uh, I think I have some more. I mean, we've kind of. covered everything yeah the rancor um i think i think this episode is amazing for omega i think you know one of her greatest strengths her greatest strength her defining trait almost in this story is that she sees things so differently than any other clone and really anyone else in the show you know in this episode like she figures out somehow intuition we don't know but she figures out that it's Sid, um, you know, she she has the idea to release the baby Rancor. Um, and, and I think that is, I think that for the show, that kind of defines her, um, her struggles and her, her process and her progress through the show, you know, because she sees the world the galaxy so differently like all the other the bad batch they're jaded they're constantly on the lookout for danger they're a little bit cynical you know they're they've been beaten down by this war but omega is is super optimistic and she sees friendship and connections and and the potential um yeah of the world and i just, I just think it's interesting how that can be her greatest strength but also her greatest downfall because it that's what gets her kind of that's what gets her almost kidnapped by fennec shand at the same time that's what helps her save her friends time and time again absolutely yeah she is she is she is such an interesting character because she is that beacon of light in such a dark time yeah um like she yeah yeah uh should we go on to uh decommissioned yeah i think i mean what did you think about this episode overall in comparison to um to uh the the previous one cornered because i know I you think weren't a fan this of that episode one. is cornered plus i do i think this so episode like is uh, yeah oh i like it quite a bit more again i okay. think i, I think okay. the two cornered and rampage are are not two of my favorites but rampage i think is a lot better for me um i think the action scenes are interesting i think the world building is is more interesting i think the the um the there's some more thematic concepts in there. There's some more developmental concepts in there. Um, again, I think both of them pale in comparison to Decommissioned, which I like a lot, a lot, a lot. Really? We'll talk about. Yeah, I freaking love Decommissioned. Um, such a fantastic episode. Um, one of probably the most underrated episodes of Star Wars animated television probably ever. Um, people do not give that episode the credit it deserves. And... Uh, but we'll get to that when we get to that. But no, Rampage is Rampage is quite is quite a solid one. Uh, what about you? Um, I liked it. I think, I think it was about on par for me with Cornet. I think, um, to me, it kind of it had tinges, it had shades of the um, the problem that you know sometimes faced the Mandalorian, um of kind of just that mission of the week feel 
where it's like, oh, the heroes need something. They find someone who has it. Oh, but in return, they need a favor. They got to go. And then off you go on whatever the shenanigans may be. Um, but I still a good episode. You know, Omega. Omega is really compelling in this. The emotional and personal um, kind of quandaries that the Bad Batch, the rest of the Bad Batch face. Um, yeah, it's just another... Um, you know, the action it's an action-packed adventure episode it's another great um it's another great episode for what it sets out to do i think that some of these intermediate episodes to me they kind of feel like they lack enough stakes um so i guess i would kind of concur with what you said earlier a little bit i think in this episode it's not really a it doesn't really become a problem <clears throat> For this episode but even though i think some of these episodes even though there's a whole heck of a lot going on it kind of just washes at least for me it kind of just washed over me like i was never really like it, it never got to that point like it did with when hunter's chip go or when wrecker's chip goes off where i'm like oh my god like there's not really any sense of um the potential for real consequences yeah, I, I understand that, and again, that's that's a part of episodic storytelling um, that you know sometimes you don't feel like there's stakes, and and I and I get that. Um, I'm not yeah. sure if I exactly agree with that, but um, but no, I I understand that definitely. I mean, um, I think that's I think that's not all bad. I think some of the best, I think some of the best Star Wars out there is some of the really deeply episodic storytelling, and I think part of um. Part of what makes those shows great is the writers and the creators trying to figure out how to still make it compelling um, within those constraints. You know, sometimes by placing a, a a constraint on artwork, you find another dimension to it. So I'm not I'm not I'm not trying to like I'm not trying to like bash on it for being what it is because I think that's just part of what it is. But that being said, it does drag a little bit at times. I think. No, I, I I understand that. Um, I no this this episode this episode I, I think is a very solid good episode. That's what I think about it. it it's solidly yeah. good. All um, these episodes are really solid. I will say they feel. I think they just feel so mature and polished. I would say for yeah. these like kind of intermediate episodes, especially in a first season. Like rewatching Absolutely. these, I'm kind of like, dang, I really didn't appreciate these quite enough the first time around i felt that with all three of these episodes in a different way but i feel like the one i felt it most with was decommissioned which i already loved mm. but like fuck it's a good episode uh i think we should get on to it now in decommissioned um the bad batch are tasked by sid to go retrieve a head of a tactical droid from a droid decommissioning factory on the planet of karelia um while they are there they bump into none other than Trace and Rafa Martez, who are trying to get that uh, tactical droid head. It's a huge battle to get it out of there. They're battling these police droids. Um, Rekker takes a really bad fall and starts muttering this good soldiers follow orders. They're like, you know what that's about? I have no idea what that's about. Oh, it just it just means that he's so he's so, he's so dedicated to his his team, man. Yeah, you know, de dedicated it's, to the team. That's that's that makes so, a lot of sense. He's so yeah. he's saying good soldiers follow orders because he's so dedicated. 
to being part of the Bad Batch. That yeah, he would no, never that, turn on them. Never like he would never hurt them. He would never try to hurt them. Like he would never go after Omega. He would never go after. God, could you imagine what would happen if he went after Omega? Imagine if. That's ridiculous. They wouldn't. That would be like the most horrifying sequence in the Bad Batch if that happened. That would be like that would be. Anyway, beyond that, I can't keep a straight face making this joke. It's too too much fun. It's too much fun. It's it's too much fun. Much freaking fun. But they're they're pinned down into a tight corner, and then they use the tactical droid head, indeed. To activate some of the decommissioned battle droids in the are in the facility to fight for them against the police droids. After that, uh, they part ways. The Bad Batch on the Havoc Marauder and the Martez sisters on the Silver Angel, their ship from their arc in Star Wars: The Clone Wars. Uh, Tech gives them a a code cylinder with the data copied from the the tactical droid that got destroyed in their escape. Um, they go back to sit empty-handed, uh, but, uh, Trace and Rafa are working to make a difference of some kind in the galaxy, fight back against the Empire, um, and they're, and they talk to their contact of sorts at the end of the episode, um, who, uh, about these, these, this group of rogue clones running around the, the galaxy, um, and that's, that's decommissioned, um, where do yeah, you want to where do you want to start with this one since this is your uh since this is the episode that you enjoyed the most i figure I, you should have the floor to to take this how you want yeah um first of all i want to say that corellia is fantastic to see again um between this and Broca next episode we're getting two planets from like the empire era stories before they appear in those stories Broca yeah, it's before pretty great. fallen order and this before and corellia before solo um and it, it's yeah. it's it's crazy to see the different sides of those um because you know like han could be on corellia right now probably not but he could be um uh cal is definitely on Braca somewhere in those episodes we just don't see him um that 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 to me is pretty that's that's potential right there <laughs> yeah that, that that's mind-blowing stuff right there um uh, and yeah and uh but mostly, I just want to say this. God, I love the Martez sisters. I really do. <laughs> I love them so much. They're fantastic characters. Elizabeth Rodriguez and Bridget Cully getting to come back and play Trace and Rafa again. Yes. Yeah. Love that. Love that for them. This episode arc acts... As I said, that the um, that Rampage acts as a, a coda for the Slaves of the Republic arc. I think even better, this acts as an as a coda for the Martez sisters arc in the Clone Wars, um, because a lot of the stuff that they tell the Bad Batch sounds like the stuff Ahsoka told them, and I love that so much because especially when it's Rafa telling them. Because remember, Rafa's always the one. She's like, "Oh, I'm looking out for number one. I, you know, we can't yeah. trust anybody else, so we trust each other." But Ahsoka really gets through to both of them. I mean, Trace, Trace more easily, but. Again, when Rafa says it, it means that she has internalized what Ahsoka has told, what Ahsoka has told her, and what she's advised her, and how she helped her out. And we think, and again, we we know that we know what happens in the rest of the season. That um, that the the person who they're contacting um, at the end of the episode is Rex. So yeah, y- you know they they have they have learned that lesson from their 
from their art, and they're actively working now. They're they're not just good people who are, who are going astray. No, they're good people who are actually trying to make a difference in the galaxy. Yeah, I think there's a terrific... I think you're absolutely right. I think the parallel between um, yeah, the bad... I think that there's a terrific kind of parallel between the Bad Batch and their their journey and then kind of what happened with the Martez sisters. I think specifically with Rafa um, more than... Yeah, specifically with Rafa, I think, um, of kind of figuring out that, you know, we don't always have to look out for for number one. You know, we can we can take care of our own and also, you know, do some good. Um, I also want to add, I agree. I love, I love seeing Corellia here. I think um, Corellia has always been one of my favorite planets. Um, I think it's such a, it's such a storied and interesting planet, especially in, um, in the old expanded universe. And I was really excited to see it again. I think they could have brought out a little bit of a wider scope, maybe done more. Because, you know, we see it in Solo, you know, it's super run down after the Imperial takeover. It's just totally this kind of industrial jungle. Um, so it'd been nice to to see it, you know, because it's kind of alluded to, to see some of the side of that that isn't just, you know, full industrial wasteland, you know. What does it look like maybe before the Empire nationalizes everything or in a part of the planet that isn't like that? From a world building geek out perspective, I would love that. One last thing. Um, I, I may not love the Martez sisters as much as you do, but like, damn, they really, they really kind of got like, the characters really kind of got screwed over by getting introduced when they did. Because I think, I just think the, the, the Martez sisters arc in season seven it is simply it is simply just a respectable arc and i think there's really no i think there's really no kind of explanation obviously everyone has tastes you like what you like you dislike what you dislike there's no explanation for the the level well actually there is an explanation that's just fans being racist and sexist and horrible but yeah, for the say. level of hate that the Martez sisters have gotten and for the level of hate that those episodes have gotten, like, I still think if those episodes had been placed, like, like if it wasn't for season seven of The Clone Wars, people had such high expectations. You know, I've kind of said this before. They had a certain kind of episode in mind. They had a certain kind of arc in mind. Um, and the Martez sisters definitely wasn't that you know we really it was really it slowed down it took a look at ahsoka it introduced new characters which was an interesting choice for kind of this highly anticipated conclusion to such a beloved story um i really think that people just a lot of people i think just didn't know how to manage or how to parse out the feeling of their expectations having not been met and so their conclusion was just oh these episodes suck even though i i would stake money on half the people who vehemently hate these episodes 
just being neutral on them had they appeared in an earlier season. Yeah, I I, I will say um, in my notes I was talking about how much I love the the Martez sisters, and I also just ended that like particular part of my notes with also fuck them dude bros. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, no, in, no, I, I'm gonna say, like, I'd say around a good 5-10% to 10% of why I love the Martez sisters so much is despite the dude bros. Most of it isn't, but there is a, there is a bit of that. There is a degree of that. Um, but, it, but just really they're fantastic characters, and I think, um, and I think they, the, the interplay between them and the Bad Batch, uh, this, this episode is really interesting. I also love, because they were the first two arcs of the clone wars season seven but like they had nothing to do with each other but now they do yeah, yeah. It's, it's the bad batch and the martez sisters in the same episode and i think it's 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 fantastic to see uh i think it's one of those examples of using those familiar characters to your advantage um and yeah i i i i i, I, qu I quite really love how the martez sisters are integrated into this episode um and let's see. Um, I also love. Can we talk about um, Wrecker? <laughs> we can talk about Wrecker. We have. We have to. Good soldiers, follow orders. This is our building up of that Order sixty six inhibitor chip thing in there. I also love. This is my, one of my other favorite things about this episode is that juxtaposition of. You know the um, the juxtaposition of of the of of Wrecker's good soldiers follow order moment and the battle droid line orders are orders. Yeah. You know it, it's one of those things where we talked about this at length on this show, but the clones with the inhibitor chips become the very droids they're fighting, and yeah. there is no I think... clearer parallel between that. Yeah, and the clones were designed, you know. By the Kaminoans to be more like droids than any of the clones would want to be or as any of us would want them to be and I think some of the hyper individualization that we see I mean by the end of the Clone Wars for the clones I think the Kaminoans consider that a bug more than a feature um yeah I love I love how you know, you see the droids turn back on and just instantly would like, obviously they're being programmed instantly. They start shooting at each other. Um, but to see the clones, then, you know, how it kind of pans out to them, you're like, Oh gosh, like this is closer than it's closer than we realize, you know, yeah. it's, it's really interesting. I also really like this too. This is a parallel I just thought of, which is that you know we spend a lot of time at the places where the Republic is going to die. Um, mm. In this, yeah. in, in, in this season, you know whether that's Camino, whether that's Baraka, all those places. We also yeah. spend a lot of time at places where the Separatists are going to die. The Droid decommissioning uh, facility, the former uh, Separatist capsule capital on Raxus Secundus in Common Ground, which we'll get to in a few weeks. Um, and again, it, it's all about that, and and, and it, I gotta say, it sounded hokey the first time Ezra said this in the Rebels episode, The Last Battle, but I really do love this. The idea that the Empire won the Clone War. 
Yeah. Like, like, like the Republic was meant to fail in the Clone War, and so was the Separatists. So were the Separatists. They were both meant to fail. Yeah. Still, so it's still kind of. Yeah, it's great. I think the way they just keep kind of showing us, hey, this era is ending. Look at all these symbols that you know and love. Look at them falling by the wayside. Absolutely. So sad. All those, all those B ones and B twos. Hashtag save the B ones. Just Hashtag terrible. Save the B ones. Um, Just terrible. Are orders. Battle, battle droid society. Uh, yeah. Battle imagine, droid society. Imagine what could have. Imagine what could have happened if more B ones survived. We uh, have. I, I, what if we have I'm a thousand? A... What if we have a billion droids just like Roger? That would just like be Roger, a, just like B one two six eight. That would be a sweet from, sight from Rebels. Um, yes. Yeah, so uh, Freemaker Adventures. No, I know. Right. Ro- oh, from... oh, oh, Rebel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ro- Roger no, from right. Right. Freemaker right. and all that kind of stuff. But B one two six eight is the one. Is the guy is the guy who my my favorite who in the last battle who greets the stormtroopers and then literally gets crushed under the leg of that ATAT. Now that is just that is that symbolism is just right there. That is just disrespectful. That what is... a way to go! You come out of the the giant stamp on Geonosis. It's you not get Geonosis. Stamped. It's, uh, it was um what was it? It was Agamar. No, I mean. I mean, they're on Agamar, but I mean, imagining yeah. that this droid, you know, the, in the, imagining if they came from the original Geonosian droid foundry in Attack of the Clones, we see Anakin, Padme, Obi Wan desperately trying to avoid the giant metal stamps. Oh, I see. That's oh, what that's, I'm saying. That's funny. You you're made that's in a tragic, stamp. Yeah. You get stamped out. It's a cruel. It's a cold universe. Yeah. Cold galaxy. Absolutely. One of it's a cold galaxy. Um. And I, I'll just end with this. Um, uh, when Rafa says, and I, I know I mentioned this a little bit before, but when Rafa says to Hunter, in the end, we've all, we all choose sides, that is Ahsoka right there. I'm not saying that Trace and Rafa don't have in, them in that, but like that is Ahsoka's teachings to them on how to make a difference from that arc. Uh, yeah. And it's so nice to be that, see that passed down from the Jedi in their better hours to Ahsoka to Trace and Rafa, and now to the Bad Batch. Yeah, I mean, I think that's one of the the core the cores of Star Wars. You know, is the individual choice, the choice of the individual to step Absolutely. up and make a difference. Just, you see it in every single Star Wars story, and you can say you can you can try and pull a Jyn Erso and be like, oh, I don't have the luxury of political opinions, but if you sit back and make no choice. That is a choice Absolutely. in and of itself, and it's usually the wrong one. <laughs> that is what I will say. It is usually the wrong one. Yeah, absolutely. Um, You got anything else for this episode? Anything else for this episode? Well, I thought it was a. I thought it was another great episode. Um, definitely a bit more to unpack. Um, you know, I, I really like the exchange between the Martez sisters and the Bad Batch. They're really surprised, you know, that the Batch would just go and get the droid for an unknown buyer without asking questions. Um, yeah. And Hunter is right when he says oh, things are simpler when you're just a soldier, but now they're in a place where they really need to question their actions 
to make sure that they stay on the right path now that they're really at this point really in the in the kind of mercenary survival situation absolutely and i think they're beginning to question that i i think they're i think this is the beginning of them saying uh-oh uh, what do we, what are we doing here and why are we doing it? Yeah. Like th this is kind of, I think when, you know, we, we see that the, the Ahsoka's, Ahsoka's message that was imparted to Trace and Rafa and then Trace and Rafa are passing that along to the Bad Batch. And we see that start to take hold after this episode. Yeah. Because it's kind of 100%. the furthest, if I remember, I haven't seen the rest of the episodes, some of the episodes recently. This is kind of the furthest they go towards that um, super kind of morally gray, um, not really trying to serve any kind of greater purpose. Yeah, I would say this is the furthest they go, like, the furthest they go with morally gray, like, working for sin and stuff like that. Yeah, I would say that. I mean, they, they, they do a favor and infested. Um, that one episode, uh, before the, like, at the very end of the season, and I guess you could construe that as that. Um, but it's, it, they, I think the, ep the events of the next three episodes, which we'll get to next episode, really change them. And make them realize that if they're not doing good, then they're part of the problem. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, Yeah. Not too much more to say, but overall, I, I really enjoyed these three episodes, you know, great world building, great details, good execution all around. And really, they really, um, they did a lot to kind of unpack and move forward these, the questions for the Bad Batch about their survival, about their purpose, and about their relationship to Omega. So and I, I was I was really pleasantly surprised by these episodes. I definitely enjoyed them more than I did the first pass around. And I enjoyed decommissioned. No, I'm joking. Um, uh, <laughs> no, no, I'm I'm joking. I think that the corner is okay. I think that rampage is is good, and I think that decommissioned is is one of the most underrated episodes of Star Wars animated television. Um, and and I I think that that all three of them work great to build the world around us again as you said uh like we knew about pantorans we never visited their world before we knew about ormantel we've never visited the world before uh we never got to see corelia this early on you know we got that great world building we got some great character development i wish there was where's a bit more meat on the bones of the first two specifically uh but that's fine we got some great stuff coming up um, speaking of that, uh, next week we are going to be, um, I think we officially announced this, but in case we haven't, we're going to be talking with Keith and Kerwin Yard from Father, Son, Galaxy. Uh, we've actually already recorded that episode. It was a blast. We're so excited to post that. We had a great time with those guys. Um, and we will link their stuff down in the description as well as our stuff. Speaking of our stuff, um, thanks for watching this episode of In a Galaxy. You can... Follow us on Twitter at In a Galaxy Pod, Instagram at Star Wars In a Galaxy. Um, you can you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, anywhere you listen to your podcast. We will be there. If we're not, email us swinagalaxy at gmail.com. Uh, you can also email us with your hot takes, opinions, you know, questions, all that kind of stuff. Uh, and also follow our uh, 
uh, follow my personal account on Twitter at OGFan327. That's also on TikTok as well. Um, now, uh, also, you can follow our spinoff show at In a Galaxy Trivia Epic Confrontations, which is going to return in November. Buck O'Brien versus Jerry Cable. We're currently in the final st stages of planning that match, uh, and we're very excited about it. Um, and I think until then, may the force be with you. Always. Always.